was looking back over my Facebook memories. You know, they put those memories together for you every day and you get to see what you posted a year ago or two years ago. And, and I was looking back at my Facebook memories and, and there was a post I'd made a, a few years ago, but it happened even earlier. 14 years ago, I was in the Pacific Northwest. Have you ever been out there? Have you been to Washington State? Anybody? Washington State and Oregon. Beautiful, beautiful country. We were out there uh, 14 years ago and on June 25th of 2005, I was climbing a mountain and I got to play in the snow. Just six months from Christmas and I got to play in the snow. It's not often you get to do that. But I was thinking about that this week because while we were out there, we went to a dinner one night, this company that had brought us together out there in, in Washington State, and they gave us a gift at dinner that night. They gave us headlamps, excuse me, headlamps that you strap onto your head, little flashlights you put on. They said we would need those the next day. The next day, they drove us out to the mountains and we get to a, a trail and they had rented bicycles for us. And we were going to go on a bike ride. We were going to ride this trail that wove through the mountains. It was called the Iron Horse Trail. And if you gather from the name, it's an old railroad track that's been removed and, and they've paved it out in spots and there's gravel in other spots. And we were going to ride our bikes on that trail. One of the features of the Iron Horse Trail is a two and a quarter mile long railroad tunnel cut through a mountain. And we were going to ride that on our bikes. That's why we needed the headlamps. So I was all excited because I'm from Illinois. We don't got stuff like that around where I'm from, right? So we get out there. We're at the edge of the tunnel. We all kind of took pictures of ourselves as we we're getting ready to go in. I clicked my headlight on and I went into the tunnel and instantly it was completely dark. And I thought, well, give it a few minutes and my eyes will adjust. And I rode for a few minutes and my eyes did not adjust. And I thought, what is wrong here? And I remember at one point, I, I slowed down, I pulled my bike off to the side, and I held my hand up in front of my headlamp, making sure it was pointed the right direction. And yeah, I could, I could see the headlamp, so I thought, well, a few more minutes, it'll adjust. It never did. My eyes never adjusted to the dark. And being there in the dark, in the middle of that tunnel, about a mile in, I became convinced. I, I got so disoriented in the dark, I became convinced that the tunnel was curving. And now since then, I know railroad tunnels through mountains do not curve. They, they just go straight. You know, they, that, at least that one did. They cut it straight through. But I was convinced. I could feel it was curving. And so I started curving my bike. I started turning. I, I knew we were doing about a 45 degree turn. Next thing I know, my knuckles are up against the cold stone wall and bloodied and scraped up. It wasn't until we got through with the ride that I understood what happened. In my excitement to get into the tunnel, I had turned my headlamp on. I had not taken my sunglasses off, though. And I rode the entire two and a quarter miles with sunglasses on. I must have looked cool, though, with my shades on. I must have just looked great. But it wasn't just that the tunnel was dark. I was dark. And the darkness that I brought into the tunnel just made things worse and I got hurt. Now I've titled this series through Paul's letter to the Ephesians, I've titled this Living as Light 
in a world of shadows because I believe that is the call of the letter to the Ephesians. It's a call to live a life that distinguishes you from the world around you, distinguishes you from the life that you used to live before Christ. A life that that calls us to be someone new, but sometimes like me with my very unnecessary sunglasses, sometimes we find ourselves carrying something into this new life that we just don't need. Uh, maybe it's a habit, an old habit that we, that we really don't need if we're going to follow Christ. Maybe it's a, an attitude that we really don't need, a dark attitude that keeps us from following Christ. Maybe it's a, a thought pattern. Maybe it's a way of looking at ourselves or looking at the world that, that just doesn't apply. And, and sometimes that darkness that we bring into the, the walk with Christ, sometimes that hurts us. Sometimes it ends up hurting other people. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 5 today, verses 13 through, or excuse me, 3 through 14. Again, page 978 in those blue Bibles in front of you if you want to follow along. You know, riding, riding through the tunnel wasn't bad though. Would have been better if I could see where I was going. Riding through the tunnel wasn't bad. I would not have wanted to walk through that darkness. I know a few people though who have taken that who have gone on that trail and they've walked through the tunnel. I wouldn't want to do that. It's two and a quarter miles of, of absolute darkness and these rocks, they drip on you as you're walking through. You're, you're constantly just getting dripped on as you go in there. I would not have wanted to walk in that darkness. And you know, all the way through Ephesians, Paul has been talking about walking. That's been his metaphor for the Christian life. In chapter 2, he talks about how you once were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you used to walk. You once walked in trespasses and sins. In chapter 4, verse 1, he says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. And then in verse 17, he says, I urge you to no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Don't walk the way you used to. Don't walk after the things you used to walk after. And so instead, here in chapter 5, verse 8, he says, for at one time you were darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. You see, if you've chosen to walk with Jesus, then His light should be seen in you. In the first place, that should be seen is in the way He shines His light on your own life. The first place that light's going to be seen is in the way He shines it on your own light. Today's the last day of June. That means the year is half over, by the way. And so I want to take us out of summer for just a minute, and I want to take us to Christmas. Can I take us to Christmas? Some of you love Christmas, right? We all love Christmas. I want to take you to Christmas for a minute. I want to take you to Isaiah 9. I'll just read this for you. You don't need to turn to Isaiah 9, but I want to take you there because Isaiah 9 is one of those passages that we read every Christmas. You're familiar with Isaiah 9, for unto us... A child is born unto us, a son is given, and the government of the world shall be upon his shoulders, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. We read Isaiah 9 and and we hear Jesus in that, don't we? We recognize Jesus there. I think Paul did too. I think Paul is inspired by Isaiah 9 as he writes here in Ephesians chapter 5. In Isaiah 9 verse 2, Isaiah writes, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, 
on them a light has shone. That's not just about Jesus, is it? That's that's about us. That's about Jesus' people. We once walked in darkness, now we are the light. It's it's about us. We we saw the light, right? We we saw the light and it changed us. It, it, It changed our hope. It changed what we believe about God. It changed what we believe about ourselves. And it should change who we are. It should change who we are. And that's why Paul has to write verses 3-5, through but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. These are things that characterize darkness. They should not characterize your life and my life. I'm not sure that you and I could even appreciate the sexually charged environment that ancient Ephesus was, the, the people that lived in, in Ephesus to whom this, this letter was addressed. I mean, if you've studied in history classes, you know about ancient Rome. You know how, how bad things were in ancient Rome, but I don't think we even get how bad things were in, in Ephesus, not in, not in our world. Well, Ephesus was a, was a wealthy city. It was, it was a city with a lot of tourists. There were always new people Coming to Ephesus, always new people wanting new experiences, wanting to, to try something new. And Ephesus, Ephesus was the home of, the, of one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It was home to the temple of the goddess Artemis, the, the goddess of fertility, the, the goddess of sex. And so these new Gentile believers who had come into the church out of that lifestyle, the Gentiles who had come out of that lifestyle and, and come into the church, they had come out of a lifestyle where adulterous relationships were considered normal. Where you were expected to sleep with your, with your slave girl or, or sleep with your slave boy where incest was normal and where prostitution was sacred. Uh, you would go to the temple and, and sleep with the temple prostitutes. That's how they worshipped. That was the socially accepted standard. And so Paul, back in chapter 4, verse 20, Paul says, but that is not the way you learned Christ. That's not how you learned about Jesus. But apparently there were those who were teaching, this old lifestyle is fine. This old way of life that you used to live, it's fine. You don't have to change. Jesus has forgiven you and and you're saved. And so Paul goes on and he writes in verses 6-8, through let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes on the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. We need to acknowledge this, the, the seriousness of that sin, but we also need to acknowledge the grace that's in those verses. Do not miss the grace that's in those verses. At one time you were darkness, but now you are the light. 
Not that you will be, or not that you could be if you would stop doing that. You are the light. I think we need to remember that failure is not final. There's times when we fail and, and it feels like that fail, failure is very final. Failure is not final. And, and God's grace is greater than our sins. But if we're serious about walking in the light, we need to be serious about that call. What we've been called to, to walk towards and how we've been called to walk. Again, back in Ephesians 5, the beginning of, that, of this chapter, verses 1 and 2, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That seriousness of that call is going to be seen in what we walk away from and how we walk towards Jesus and how we walk with Jesus. And it's going to begin when we shine our light, shine His light on ourselves. When we see our own darkness. But you know, as we as we walk with Jesus, it continues as we shine His light on others. You know, over and over again in this letter, Paul has emphasized the unity that we have as the church. We have unity. We are one body. Chapter 4, or, yeah, chapter four verse 25, he says that we are members one of another. So we're in this together. We're in this together for the good stuff. We're also in this together with the bad stuff. That means at times we need to, we're going to share blessings and that's wonderful, but it also means that there are going to be times when we have to help each other correct the course, when we have to tell, help each other and say, no, the, the, the tunnel does not curve, the tunnel still goes straight, we, we have to stay on course. And that's how we need to hear these next verses. We need to hear these next verses with firmness, treating sin seriously, but we also need to hear them with grace. We need to hear them remembering Jesus is the one who said, He who is without sin, let He be the one that casts the first stone. And I want you to hear verse 8 again because it's, it's the hinge point for this entire passage. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. I hope you noticed verse 12. I hope you heard verse 12 where he says, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in Secret, you know, the, the sin is bad enough. But the gossip about the sin, when we gossip about someone else's sin, what they do in secret, that's shameful. That is something to be ashamed of. There is no honor in being the one that spreads the word about someone else's indiscretion. There is no honor in being the person who, who bears that kind of bad news. This past year has been really disturbing. If you've looked at the news there have been, been a lot of news this past year about some really big churches and some really well-known leaders who, who have been caught in sin, who have fallen, who have taken down others with them. And I can't tell you the number of times I've been to preacher meetings or been with, together with a group of, of my colleagues and, and some of them sound almost giddy to share the news of other people's sin. They've 
They, they, they sound almost excited to share that news. And, and I think in our walk with Jesus, I think in our humility, we have to leave room for the realization that there but for the grace of God goes I. There but for the grace of God goes, goes any one of us. Now, now make no mistake, we are called, we are commanded to expose works of darkness when we see them. He says there in verse 11, take no part in the unfruitful work of darkness, but instead expose them. Where there is sin, where there is unchristian behavior, where there are unchristian attitudes, we are to bring the light. By the way, did you notice that that verse specifically applies to Christians? Towards Christians? It is not about the darkness in the world around us. It is about the way that we respond when we see darkness in our own people, when we see darkness in each other. But the purpose is not humiliation. The purpose is not punishment. The purpose is always to restore. I think about the ride through that railroad tunnel and I feel really stupid. I mean, it took me 14 years to finally work up the courage to share with you what I did in that tunnel. I mean, I, I feel ridiculous about going through there with my sunglasses on, but I want you to hear me out. There was no way I could turn the headlamp onto my sunglasses. There was no way I could see my own darkness there in the dark. It was impossible for me to see my own darkness. I needed the light to see my darkness. Listen to what he says in verse 13. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. There's people who are in the middle of some very dark things and they can't see that it's darkness. They can't see the darkness that's around them. And I don't think we're called to point out the sin of others so much as we're called to shine the light of Jesus on, on each other. When we show them the light, when we show them His love and His grace, they'll see the darkness for what it is. And that's why the call here isn't to shine your light. It's not about shining your light. It's about letting Christ shine on you. And I hope we understand one just fundamentally important point here. I hope we don't miss this because it's easy to miss. It's easy to forget. But this is so vital. And the point is this. It's not your light. <laughs> It's not your light. It's not my light. We're not here to shine our morality in this world. We're not here to shine our own ethics to show people what good people we are and how deserving of heaven we are. We're here so they can see Jesus. Now that does mean that they need to be able to see Jesus in us. They need to be able to see Jesus in us, in all of us. Individually, and all of us together, collectively. And that's that's something we need to keep in mind when we read of exposing the darkness. It isn't to point out the darkness in someone else. It's to bring the light of Christ to all of us. I didn't comment on verse 4 earlier. I just kind of read over it. I didn't comment on verse 4 because it's not fun to comment on verse 4. It's no fun. But I want you to hear the heart behind verse 4. Verse 4 says, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead, let there be thanksgiving. Let me be honest with you. I've never been in a situation where those kind of jokes were being told, where suddenly... Things just got cleaner. You know what I'm saying? 
I've never been in a situation where those kind of crude jokes were being told where suddenly we all started telling clean jokes instead. We, we egg each other on and it just gets worse and worse and over and over again until, until you can't see Jesus at all in what's being said. You can't hear Jesus at all in what's being said. And that's not why we are here. We are here so the light of Christ can shine on us. That's why we need relationships like the ones Paul talks about in, in verse 25. He says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbors, for we are members one of another. Sometimes that means speaking some hard truth. Sometimes that means saying something like, you know, it is really hard to hear the love of Christ in you when you use those kind of words. It is really hard for me to hear the love of Christ coming out of your mouth and out of your heart when I hear you use those kind of words about people. Sometimes it means being in a relationship where we can, we can honestly say to somebody, I saw that thing you posted on Facebook, and first of all, I have to tell you, it was hilarious. <laughs> but man, it didn't sound like Jesus. I can't see Jesus posting something like that. It did not shine His light. Could we, just, could we just try, above everything else, could we just try to shine Christ's light in our lives so people can see His love, so they can see His grace, so they might see something of His heart in the things that we do, the things that we say, <laughs> the things that we post. Isaiah 9 earlier, you can't miss Christ in that passage. People who've walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who had walked in darkness. That's, that's us. The call now is to walk in light. To walk differently than we did when we walked in darkness. This last verse we're looking at, verse 14, I think it's also inspired by Isaiah, but I think it comes at the other end of, of Isaiah's book. I think it comes from Isaiah chapter, chapter 60. But You read verse Verse 14 here, it says, For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. I don't think you can help but hear Isaiah 60 in that. Isaiah 60, verses 1-4. through Isaiah writes, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you, and His glory will be seen upon you, and nations shall come to you, to, shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see they are gathered, they, they all gather together, they come to you. The Lord will arise upon you. His glory will be seen upon you. The nations will come to your light. People around us are in darkness. Like, like me in that tunnel, they are lost. They are disoriented. Too often they are hurting themselves. The light that we shine in that darkness is their only way out. So let's shine the light of Jesus for them. You may have noticed in your Bibles that the, the last verse looks kind of like a song. Verse 14 looks kind of like a song. In my Bible, it's laid out differently. And, 
it's kind of set off lyrically. It says in, there in verse 14, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And scholars suspect that that's actually a song that Paul is quoting from an ancient Christian hymn. Something that they sang when they got together in worship. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. In fact, there are some scholars who believe that that's an early baptism hymn. That those words were used when they baptized someone. I mentioned that in a sermon several years ago. And a few years ago, when I got to baptize Ilana Nichols, who's waiting for a baby today. Should have had it yesterday on my birthday, but that's just my opinion. But when Ilana came to me and said she wanted to get baptized, we talked about it for a while. She said, I want you to do something though. I said, what? She said, I want you to say those words in Ephesians that you said they used to say in baptisms. I said, really? She said, yeah, I want you to say that. She said, I want you to so take me under the water and then say those words and then bring me back up. I said, it's kind of long. And she said, I don't care, it'll be fine. So we up there baptizing Ilana and I laid Ilana back and I said, awake, oh, no, I didn't do it like that. I said, awake, oh sleeper, and rise from the dead. And I brought her up and I said, and Christ will shine on you. It was beautiful. I absolutely loved doing that. And I would love to do that again when, when I baptize someone else. I know most of you have made that commitment. Most of you have made that commitment to be baptized. I know some of you are considering it. We have conversations every now and then. Some of you are, are thinking about baptism. But you know, wherever we are on that journey, wherever we are on, on that element, I, I want us all to consider this. I think we all need to ask, what have we given to God? And what have we given up for Him so that His light can be seen in us? What darkness have we laid aside, we buried, so that the light of Christ might be seen in us? What, what have we done to say to God, I want your light to be seen in me, even if that means that I don't do this. I want Jesus to shine in my life. Let's shine his light together. You stand with me as we pray. Father, from, from childhood, we sang that song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. As adults, we'd have to confess that too often we haven't simply hidden it under a bushel. We've, we've hidden Your light from our friends, from our neighbors. We have preferred the darkness to the light far too often. And so today, we ask You to give us the courage to take Your call to shine seriously. Let our lives be a path that lights the way to your Son. And let Him shine in everything we say, everything we do, everything we post, <laughs> everything about us. We ask this to your glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.